We are now at a point in this murky pandemic where one thing is clear. Uncertainty about the future is a commonly held concern. This week, Albemarle and Charlottesville both reported one-day records as a second local surge hit, due in part to the arrival of UVA students from across the country to begin in-person instruction. On this Saturday, February 20th edition of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Newscast and Newsletter, we hear the response from the University of Virginia at a town hall held on Friday afternoon. We'll also check in with officials at UVA Health about the latest research and hear a statement from the Blue Ridge Health District related to long lines this past Wednesday at the vaccination clinic at the former Kmart. The idea of this newsletter is intended to make things a little less murky as you make your decisions about your life in the days, weeks, and months to come. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. Before we begin today, a quick look at the numbers from the Virginia Department of Health this morning. Statewide, new cases in the Commonwealth are dropping, and the seven-day average is now at 2,055 a day. That average was 3,035 last Saturday and 6,149 on January 20th. The seven-day average for positive PCR tests statewide is now at 8.2 percent. That's down from 13.5 percent a month ago. But locally, the Blue Ridge Health District has experienced its highest number of new cases this week, with 936 since Sunday. The majority of those cases were in Albemarle and Charlottesville. The city reported 80 new cases on Wednesday, 99 cases on Thursday, 107 on Friday, before going back down to 60 today. That matches the one-day high for all of 2020 on September 18th, which was shortly after the last time that UVA students returned to in-person instruction. Before we get to the town hall, a few more facts to keep in mind. There have been 117 fatalities in the Blue Ridge Health District, with no new deaths being reported since February 11th. Two-thirds of the 12,668 cases in the district have been contracted by people under the age of 50. Yet only two of the 117 fatalities are from people below that age, and those two individuals were in their 40s. More than three-quarters of those deaths have been from people over the age of 70. The university recognized the concern in the Charlottesville community and held a town hall Friday. Jim Ryan is the UVA president. On Tuesday, we enacted temporary restrictions designed to slow the spread of the virus that causes COVID-19. Our hope is to lift these restrictions by the end of next week, but that will depend on what we see over the next several days. These include a ban on in-person gatherings and encouraging students both on and off campus to stay at home. In-person instruction remains open, as do research activities. The restrictions were issued Tuesday night to stave off potentially holiday-related gatherings. It was Mardi Gras. The next day was a day off from classes, and we thought students would be getting together that night. This was not a decision we made lightly, and it was a decision informed by the unanimous advice of our medical experts. The town hall was in response to allegations that the spike was caused by fraternal organizations who held in-person recruitment activities this year. That did not happen in the fall, when those activities were not permitted. However, President Ryan said the increase was not related solely to these activities. The positive cases so far have been distributed across the entire student population and include students living both on grounds and off grounds, undergraduate and graduate students, and students affiliated with a large range of groups. 
Ryan said research into the cases did not single out any of these groups, but contact tracing appears to indicate a general trend of people not adhering to the rules. This doesn't mean that all students who contracted the virus were being intentional scoff laws flouting the restrictions. Instead, the picture is a lot more complicated with some students who were undoubtedly ignoring health and safety protocols and others who made innocent and understandable mistakes or simply let their guards down as many of us, if we're honest, myself included, have done over the course of the last year. Ryan said fraternity and sorority rush did contribute to the cases, but were not the entire cause of the spike. We should be aware of and reject a single simplistic narrative where there's one villain or one villainous group to blame. The fact is that there are multiple causes across a range of groups and individuals. Some were willful and others far more innocent. Ryan said the UVA administration did not have the ability to ban the recruitment events without imposing a total ban on all organizations from having any meetings. During his introduction, he said the university did not want to become a totalitarian state. But this was another situation where we were trying sincerely to strike the right balance between freedom and trust on the one hand and complete control on the other. If we got that balance wrong, I'm sorry, and please lay the blame at my feet as I'm ultimately responsible. Ryan implored students and faculty to obey the rules to avoid continued restrictions to avoid community spread. Now, how can we track that going forward? Since last August, UVA has had a COVID dashboard with cases that has results from all of the various testing methods underway. When this is reported every weekday at 4 p.m., it gives a first look at transmission rates related to UVA. These cases later show up on the Virginia Department of Health dashboard. Dr. Mitch Rosner is the chair of the UVA Department of Medicine. The COVID tracker has probably the most up-to-date data that you'll see Some of the other data that's reported in other venues may lag uh, up to several days behind that. Another item tracked on the UVA COVID dashboard is the number of available rooms for quarantine and isolation. Also, hospitalizations. Thankfully, that the number of new hospitalizations in the last couple of weeks has also come down. Also, thankfully, we have not seen any students developing serious illnesses or requiring hospitalization. Dr. Rosner said the presence of the COVID variants will present new challenges and will likely infect those who do not follow protocols. It's a good wake-up call for all of us. Have you edged closer than six feet? Uh, Has that mask slipped below your nose? And really, it points out, despite pandemic fatigue, it's really not the time for slacking off on these public health measures. The current restrictions will remain in place through February 26th and will be reevaluated next week. The first question at the town hall was about enforcement. Dean of Students Alan Groves said UVA officials did issue sanctions on some individuals last year. Some background is required to understand just how that happened. For well over 50 years, the Board of Visitors of the University has delegated the authority to discipline students for violation of the standards of conduct to students through the University Judiciary Committee. Our office investigates reports and complaints and then files with the University Judiciary Committee, and they have a hearing and sanction. The violation must be shown beyond a reasonable doubt for a sanction to be imposed. We do have in our office the authority to interim suspend a student for an egregious violation. We did impose a number of those in the fall. 
The website for the student-run UJC states that the body heard nine cases involving 43 violations of COVID policy last fall. But Groves said those numbers are now out of date, as official hearings on other cases were not held until January. Uh, we have brought, brought cases for COVID violations against a number of individual students and also student organizations, including five of our fraternities. A major concern is that these student cases will lead to transmission to the broader Charlottesville community. Infectious disease expert Dr. Kosti Safri has been leading up UVA's interaction with the Blue Ridge Health District to explain how they will know if that occurs. We work closely with um, contact tracers to understand um, what the interactions are between students um, and, um, and with the community um, at large and to, to have those understanding. There's parts of um, our, the UVA community that have overlap with um, the rest of the community. And so as part of that contact tracing effort, we um, are here to, um, to work to make sure that um, we have effective mitigation strategies in place. And of course, it's really important to have active lines of communication open um, between the Department of Health um, and with the contact tracers and with um, those of us who sort of have this public health role for the university um, and to have that on, on, on a, you know, essentially a daily basis. Dr. Tyson Bell is a critical care specialist at UVA, who was named by Business Insider magazine last year as one of its 30 leaders under 40 changing health care. He said the COVID crisis has had the potential to improve community health for many in the area. Being a good partner to the community means that we're using the community leaders that have been doing a lot of the work that's been uh, taking place before COVID-19 and really using them to really reach the community. Um, and in particular, the the you know changing the model of medicine where we actually go into communities is really the name of the game when it comes to COVID-19, when it comes to public health messaging, making sure people have the resources they need, and ultimately getting the vaccine um, rolled out. To close out this segment, let's hear President Ryan ask one of the questions. Mitch, I think this is for you. Uh, why do we have faith that we'll not get a resurgence of cases the moment restrictions are lifted? Well, part of the, the uh, basis of restrictions is really to flatten the curve. But after we flatten the curve, the key thing is really going to be for all of us to maintain that vigilance, those public health measures going forward. That's going to be the critical thing. This is not a short-term wear your mask for the end of the week, and then when the case numbers look better, we can go back to uh, business as usual. This is really a wake-up call for all of us that we have to really adhere to these public health measures on a continuous basis. If we do that, we can be successful. In the meantime, vaccinations continue, despite logistical issues like the one experienced this week at the Blue Ridge Health District's vaccination clinic at the former Kmart on Wednesday. We've uh, provided our 40, uh, over 40,000 vaccine doses since the onset of um, our vaccine efforts. And at, at this point, I think over around 25% or more of all um, citizens in Charlottesville have been vaccinated with at least one dose, and it's around 15% um, or higher in the county. So um, we are um, trying to be the lever arm for the health district to, to um, roll out vaccine for our, for our region. Well You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, a service of Town Crier Productions, and a edition that is mostly about the pandemic. We'll get back to land use and all that other stuff in tomorrow's program. For now, thank you for listening. This is for the podcast listeners and a special gratitude going out to you 
for listening. And I would like you, if you could, to make sure that other people know that this is something that you can listen to. Every single one is written out for people to read, but the podcast version allows you to hear people in their own voice saying what they say and me putting it together. And I really do appreciate that you are listening to it. And please do help me share the audience so we can continue to grow it well into the future so I can keep doing this, keeping you informed. Let's get back to the program. In almost a year of pandemic coverage, one thing I've been struck by is the sheer amount of research that takes place in the UVA health system. One item that struck my eye this week was the release of a paper that found that only 2% of Virginians had COVID-19 antibodies in their blood as of mid-August 2020. That could mean that herd immunity is a long way off. Dr. Eric Haupt is the chief of UVA Health's Division of Infectious Diseases and International Health. It was a a broad survey of about 5,000 people in Virginia to see how many have been exposed to COVID-19. Some mathematical calculations, you could project where we are today, and that would that would project that we're at about 15 to 20% that have been exposed to COVID-19 in Virginia. Dr. Haupt said the virus will have a harder time spreading when 60 to 80% of the population have antibodies. That's the herd immunity we keep hearing about. Blood samples were taken from people from five locations across Virginia who were visiting the doctor for routine reasons and not for covid about two out of three of the positive individuals that had antibodies had been exposed to COVID-19, had never had any symptoms at all. That's in keeping with other, other findings. I mean, some studies find 40, some 50% um, asymptomatic. Dr. Haupt said the results mean it is likely that most Virginians are still susceptible to the virus, and public health measures such as mask wearing in public should be the norm for the foreseeable future. He also said this means people should get the vaccine as soon as they are able. We still have a long way to go. The best way to get there for sure is through vaccination. The study may be repeated in the summer. For more on this work, read the press release on the UVA Health site. The antibody study came up at the weekly COVID briefing by UVA Health, which was held Friday morning. Dr. Safri participated in that call as well. There remains many people who um, are susceptible to infection. I think it really emphasizes the importance of, of the vaccination program. One concern is that the UK and South African variants may provide challenges to the vaccines. Dr. Safri recommends people get them anyway. It's really important to keep in mind that um, the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and um, 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 others that have been looked at um, in South Africa appear to protect against severe disease, um, hospitalizations and deaths. So while uh, maybe less effective, it also appears that these vaccines do um, offer protection against the most important outcomes for COVID infection. Governor Northam has asked all school divisions across Virginia to plan for at least some return to in-person instruction in the near future to those who seek that out. 
Charlottesville plans a four-day return to school on March 8th for pre-K through 6th grade students whose families have requested in-person instruction, as well as middle and high school students identified as needing face-to-face support. Albemarle County is currently at Stage 3 learning and will move to Stage 4 learning on March 15th, which means four days a week for pre-K through 3rd grade and two days a week for 4th through 12th grade. Some families have expressed concern that the latest spike in cases could put those plans in jeopardy. Dr. Sifri had this perspective. What we've learned over this past year, um, and that has really been highlighted recently by the CDC, is that um, in-classroom instruction can occur in a safe manner, safe for the students and safe for the teachers. And it has to be done thoughtfully and appropriately with um, attention to social distancing, mask wearing, hand hygiene, um, um, uh, the air the air handling systems and the um, um, those HVAC um, type of um, issues in school. So if there's close attention to those, schools can reopen. Dr. Safri said in Virginia, vaccination of K through 12 teachers is a priority, which he said would provide an extra layer of protection, but that the community health protocols should still be used. The advice and recommendations have not changed. Um, that um, if you've been vaccinated, that still we should continue to um, wear masks um, for several important reasons. Um, so the first is that while the vaccines are very effective for the widely circulating strain, um, 95% protective, 95% isn't quite 100%. Um, so it's close um, and outstanding, but, but not 100%. Dr. Sifri said the second reason is that it's theoretically possible that someone vaccinated can still be a carrier. The third, I think, important reason is to understand that um, um, that not everybody, un- know, you know, we don't know who or who, who does not have a COVID vaccine in our community. So there's, um, if you're not wearing a mask in a place where people are not aware that you've been vaccinated, that could lead to significant concerns to um, to other people about that you're perhaps endangering their health and safety. Dr. Safri said the day may soon come when this advice changes, as more is known about vaccine performance. That's, of course, at a time where I think that we have a lot more people who have been vaccinated. Um, But I think we can look forward to that day. So at least for now, I think we need to continue to wear a mask. Finally today, the Blue Ridge Health District put out a statement on Thursday explaining what happened on Wednesday at its vaccination clinic. The full statement is available on the Facebook page, but some highlights are worth clipping out. The clinic was intended for 400 individuals aged 65-plus that live in Albemarle County, certain essential workers, and those who were on Saturday's waitlist for a vaccine list for communities of color. Participants were selected from the surveys that the Blue Ridge Health District have previously issued, and they were sent a link to the new registration system created by the Virginia Department of Health known as PrepMod. The PrepMod link for scheduling appointments was widely shared throughout the community, despite our request not to share the link. Thus, there was an overwhelming number of people not invited to the clinic who scheduled an appointment, leading to a limited amount of appointments for those who were actually invited. Despite long lines and having to turn some people away, the Blue Ridge Health District administered nearly four times more doses than expected in a 14-hour period. 
And that's it for today's installment of the Charlottesville Community Engagement Report. This one also doubles up as an episode of Charlottesville Quarantine Report, which is the name of the program that I put together 11 months ago in order to track all of this coverage. I really do appreciate those of you who are listening or reading, and I do hope that unlike that prep bond link, please send it on to other people. This is free content, and people are welcome to make a donation or a contribution to me in multiple ways that I'm not going to say today, but I'll say him in another one. So keep listening. I'm Sean Tubbs, your host, and I will be back tomorrow or Monday with another installment. Depends on how much work I get through tonight. Thanks for listening. And I think the message is pretty clear. Stay safe. 